0: Well, this morning we are back in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 5 through 16. So I hope you have your Bibles and uh, turn with me there. And the title of my message this morning is Expose the Darkness. I don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant that's uh, really dark and a hard time. You have a hard time even reading the menu. Uh, there was a, I listened to a pastor who talked about having walked into one of these restaurants and uh, he had a really hard time reading the menu. It was kind of like, um, I had a similar experience uh, at Disneyland many years ago. Um, there's a restaurant next to the Pirates of the Caribbean. Called the Blue Bayou, yeah, and that restaurant is really dark, and you have a hard time reading the menu. And this this pastor was having a hard time reading the menu, and he was afraid of what the meal he was about to order. Thinking, "I'm gonna, am I gonna be eating this by faith and not by sight?" And uh, and so, but after a while, his eyes began to acclimate to to the darkness. And the the waitress came along and she said, funny, isn't it, how we get used to the dark? And uh, the pastor said, well, you're right. We do get used to the dark. And uh, thank you for that illustration. I'm going to use it tomorrow morning in my message. And uh, we live in a dark world, don't we, church? There is. We are surrounded by... Darkness, but as God's children, we are light. But unfortunately, for many Christians today, for many churches today, we have grown used to the darkness. We have acclimated to the darkness around us. Christians have mingled their light with the world's darkness. And it's only led to the church capitulating to the emboldened evil world. And so Paul has some critical words for And we've been looking at these words, these imperatives for a few weeks now. Church, these aren't, these aren't suggestions. These aren't recommendations from Paul. These are commands. These are things that God expects us to be in a dark world. And so again, my message isn't going to be easy. But you know what? My message is necessary. No, God's message is necessary. These are God's words. God hasn't left us into the dark as to try to figure out how we're to live in this this world. God is very clear. God has not whispered. And we need to be obedient to his commands of being lights in the darkness And the audience that paul was writing to the culture in which this church in ephesus was uh, living had been delivered from is very similar to today's culture like i said last week we as a as a church as a as a culture as a society as a nation we're past postmodern okay we are now neo pagan we are living in an absolutely pagan country culture and that's what these christians in ephesus were delivered from they were part of this darkness They weren't just oppressed by this darkness. No, they were darkness. But by the grace of God, before time began, God chose them and brought them out of this darkness and called them his own, adopted them as his own children. And so Paul is writing to this church and encouraging this church in how they are to, to, to live. And, um, and again, this, today's culture <laughs> is very similar to the culture Ephesus was living in. So uh, we went through verse 6 last week, but uh, I want to start this morning with verse 5 and, um, and read through verse 16. So Paul says this, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience therefore do not become partaker or do not become partners with them for at one time you were darkness you weren't just in darkness you were darkness but now you are light in the Lord Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. For when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Let's pray. Lord, help my words to be clear. God, may these be your words. I thank you for your holy book and Lord, how it instructs us. And so this morning, may we be sitting at your feet and like the christians in rome and like the christians in ephesus god may we be willing and eager to obey regardless of the circumstances for many Christians in this first century church these first century churches what they believed cost them their very life and so lord on this memorial day weekend we remember them and the obedient life that they led because God of the grace that they experienced in their life, Lord, as you transferred them, as you transformed them, as you delivered them out of darkness and made them light. God, may the same be true for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul says this in verse 5, who does not have an inheritance in heaven? And he he focuses on one particular group. He focuses on the sexually immoral. Now, if you go back and we read First Corinthians chapter six last last week, and there are others who are c- excluded because of their sin from the kingdom of heaven, but here in chapter five, Paul focuses specifically on the sexually immoral, and so you're going to see. Uh, certain words in verse five, you see sexually immoral. You see the word impure. You see the word covetous or greedy, and you see the word idolater. Okay. These are all under the same subject. Okay. Sexually immoral people, people living in moral perversion. When Paul mentions the word impure, he's going behind the sin of immorality. He's referring to a person's mind, his, his sensual thoughts, his sensual indulgences, his, his desires. Uh, that immoral people person whose, whose, whose thoughts and desires, they haven't been crucified by Christ. He's consumed by these thoughts. And as Christians, Paul is commanding us, imploring us to crucify these desires. No sexually immoral person no person with these impure thoughts these, the, this covetous uh, greedy wanting what somebody else has when it comes to sexual immorality this isn't to be a part of a Christian's life now I've been hearing frequently lately That it's it's okay to be a sexually immoral person as long as you don't act upon those desires or those feelings. You're safe. And according to what Paul has said here, that even these impure thoughts, this greed of wanting what somebody else has uh, immorally or sexually. This is not to be a part of a Christian's life. We can't even entertain these thoughts. They are forbidden. And so when we see the word greed, when we see the word covetous, uh, referring to idolatry. Uh, it's 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 wanting. It's it's wanting fulfillment through somebody else. They want what somebody else has. Now, let me just speak for a moment to young ladies in our service this morning. Ladies, if you haven't met somebody yet. Chances are you are you will find somebody that you're going to fall in love with. And if that person really loves you, he will want for you to save yourself until till the two of you are married if he says to you, you know, that I love you and I want you to give yourself to me uh, here and now, you know what? They don't love you. They lust you. And there is, a, there is an idol in their heart that they want. They want your They want you, they want to defraud you. They want to deceive you. They want what you have to offer them. They lust you. And so, girls, I just want you to be cautious and very careful concerning uh, relationships and to save yourself Marriage, and if they really love you, if they really cherish you, they will protect you. So, here we see Paul in verse 5 say, You may be sure of this people who live this kind of life have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And in verse 6, Paul's very scared. Let no one deceive you with empty words. This is the truth. And those who try to deceive, Paul says, verse 6, under the wrath of God. Sexual addiction is very powerful and can lead a person to total destruction. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, let no one defraud you. Don't let anybody steal what is not theirs from you. That is idolatry. And the sexual revolution and the perversion that we see today has no boundaries for those who are caught up in it. It is their whole identity, and it is all-consuming. And we know what's around the corner come June the 1st, don't, don't we? You know, we have one day to celebrate Memorial Day our heroes, who have given their all for our freedoms that we enjoy in this country. But come June 1st, we're going to take the whole month of June to celebrate sexual perversion. What an abomination this is. Lord, church, we live in a pagan nation today and we are spreading we are spreading this influence across the globe it is something that as american citizens and as christians we should be absolutely ashamed of it should anger us and paul has told us in ephesians chapter 4 be angry but just don't sin. God is in control. And God has has a plan even through all this debauchery. But in our anger, you know, we ought to be protecting the children. The most vulnerable that the most wicked want want to defraud, want for themselves because of their greedy, sinful nature. As as Christians, as church, we need to stand up against evil. And you know what? I learned something about evil just this weekend that I didn't even know existed. And it is it is too dark. It is too sinful to even mention in this service. But Christians are shining a light on it. And you're going to be informed in just a short period of time. But evil knows no boundaries. It is incredibly creative. And Paul is telling us as Christians that we should part, be, not be partakers of it. And so verse 7, Paul says, don't be partakers with them. Therefore, do not become partakers with them. For at one time you were you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Don't become, become part, part, partakers. Don't be partakers in this evil world. I hope you're taking that seriously. Because, you know, as Christians, we're, we're confronted with situations. We're confronted with issues. Some of you have family you have um, relatives who are caught up in the homosexual lifestyle, have, have been married. Some of you have received invitation, an invitation to some of those wedding ceremonies, supposed wedding ceremony, not in the eyes of God, You've been invited and you've been questioning. Should I go to the wedding as a Christian? Or should I not go to the wedding and just go to the reception? What should I do in this situation? Christian, Paul is very clear. Paul says in verse 7, Don't become partakers with them. And some of you have made the right decision the hard decision, and it's cost you relationally with with loved ones or friends. But church, that's the price that we must pay in following Christ. We can't celebrate. We can't affirm their lifestyle. This church will never affirm that kind of behavior or life. It's an abomination, the the Bible says. You'll not find a rainbow flag on our sign, on our website. We're not going there. That doesn't mean we don't love. That doesn't mean we hate. Paul is clear. We cannot be partakers with them. For some of you, it's, it's not the issue of homosexuality. Some of you, uh, you have friends who are getting married, and maybe they're, they're uh, throwing a bachelor party or a bachelorette party. And you know some of your friends, and you're afraid, fearful of some of the debauchery <laughs> that's going to go on at one of those celebrations. Should I go? God's word doesn't leave us in the dark. Do not be partakers with them. Well, how are they going to respond? You know, is this going to be the end of my relationship, my friendship with them? Maybe. Hopefully not. Hopefully you can communicate With them in love, that this is not you. And you know what? If they're really your friend, they'll respect who you are and not force you into a situation that goes against your convictions. That's not love on their part. So, this love thing works both ways, okay? But Paul is clear. Do not be partakers with them. That's not you. As Christians, we're light now. Light has no relationship with darkness. The two cannot coexist. Light is either going to drive out darkness or darkness is going to drive out light. But you know what? Darkness cannot quench the light. The light will always be there because Jesus is the light and the light is never going out. And so Paul tells us, don't be partakers with them. That's not you anymore. Verse 9, he says, for the fruit of the light is, is found in all that is good and right and true. We need to walk according to the light. We are children of the light, verse 8. Now, how do we walk according to the light? Number one, talked about this last week, we need to walk in love. We need to be imitators of God. And we have the ability to be imitators of God because we have been given the Holy Spirit. And so what does it mean to be an imitator of God? It means to be that person who reaches out and cares for others. Genuinely be concerned about other people not live for ourselves but live for others but being imitators of god means that we need to be people of both truth and grace that was jesus jesus was both he wasn't more one than the other no he was a person of truth and he was a person of grace How does that work out in our life? In the relationships we come, come across? We've got to be wise. We've got to be discerning. and We'll get there in a moment. But if we're going to be children of light, light if we're going to walk according to we walk in love, we are children of light. Children of light don't play in the dark. Children of light reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. I love full moons, don't you? Why do we have those full moons, or why do we see those full moons occasionally? Because the moon is reflecting the sun. We can't see the sun at the moment in the in the in the in the nighttime, for most part, but but that moon is reflecting the sun. Now, there's the full moon, and there is the crescent moon, isn't there? And the crescent moon is just a sliver, and and yet at the same time, it's still reflecting the sun, but it's just a sliver. But you know, for a lot of Christians today, instead instead of being a full moon... (laughs) We're choosing to be a crescent moon. (laughs) We're mixing our light with the world's darkness. We just want to kind of blend in. We don't want to make a spectacle of ourselves. We don't want to bring attention to ourselves. No, we're not to bring attention to ourselves. We're to reflect Christ. We are children of light. We are to live our lives for him. This is who Christ. Christ is. And so walking accordingly as children of light, we walk in love, we walk as children of light re- reflecting Christ, and that means that we approve we approve what is good and right and true in verse 9. And then we also as children of light expose what God says is evil. According to verse 11, children of light are to expose the unfruitful works of darkness. Not to be a part of it, but to expose it. Expose darkness. How are we to expose darkness? Do we tattle on people? <laughs> do, do we we go tell somebody so that they get in trouble? No. As children of light, we just turn on the light, don't we? You know? How do you know if there's cockroaches in a room? You turn on the light. And when you turn on the light, what do the cockroaches do? They flee to the darkness, don't they? How do we expose the light as God's children? We just turn on the light. We just be the light. We approve what is good and right and true. We just tell The truth in love. We just be Jesus. But unfortunately, darkness is overtaking light today. Because Christians would rather have their light hide under a bushel. We've all learned that. We all learned that song as children. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let's sing it. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine all the time. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No! I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine all the time. Too many Christians are hiding their light under a bushel because they're afraid of what the darkness is going to say. And instead of being a full moon, they're being a sliver. Just a crescent moon. And My friends, you're not making any difference. You're not being the child of God that God wants you to be. That God commands us to be. Our lives must reflect God's Standards, And in reflecting God's standards, Christian, there are consequences. <laughs> there may be some parties, there may be some invitations that you're, you're not going to be invited to. There were a lot of parties that I wasn't invited to when I was in high school. Probably because I was a nerd for the most part, but they also knew where I stood. You know, I loved working at Long's drugstore when I was in college. And uh, I, was, um, I, I was a checker and I filled shelves and stuff. And, and there were, I enjoyed working around the people that were there at the drugstore. But I wasn't invited to the social gatherings uh, following following work, and the social gatherings were typically in the parking lot with a with a you know uh, a case of beer, and I I wasn't invited, and I didn't hang out because they knew I where, where I was at on that issue, and. Um, Probably too, because I wasn't very cool. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. There are, there are consequences for being light of the world. But then there are huge blessings for being the light of the world. You know, some of my coworkers that were at Long Strokes, they're not alive today. They had infectious personalities and and they were funny people when they were associated with their alcohol, but they died of alcoholism they aged beyond their years you know and from the world standards from a person who's living in darkness, that looks like a whole lot of fun that you don't want to miss out on. But praise God for the grace of God, church, who saved you, who delivered you out of darkness to be light. Now, as lights, we are to reflect who God is. In our lives, we are to be that full moon. And so verse 14 says, wake up, Christian. I don't know what what God is saying to you in this message this morning. And I I, I hope I'm not coming across as a perfect Christian because there's still a lot of things I struggle with even in these imperatives of Paul. We're not perfect. But God, guys, we know the grace of God. We're familiar with the cross and Christ's forgiveness and God's sanctification process. And he's not done with us. And I'm not going to throw in the towel because I'm not perfect. And neither are you. But when we fall, we get back up. but we're living, we're we're heading back to the first century christianity in this in this culture quickly if if we're not already there and there's consequences for living this kind of life and paul is telling us today The Spirit of God is telling us today, he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 and verse 14. He says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I'm not exactly sure what kind of verse this was in the first century church. It may have been a part of a song. It may have been a part of a a baptismal ceremony that people were, were going through. But Paul is exhorting us to wake up because we live in a very evil world. Verse 15 says, pay careful attention to how you live. Church, we need to pay attention. We need to wake up. We cannot afford to underestimate the power of darkness. The darkness is real. The darkness is profound. And when you became a Christian, you stopped chasing sin, and sin started chasing you. And there is a devil out there who's very real. He's on the prowl, and he wants to consume you. He wants to destroy Your testimony. Capitulating to the darkness. Paul is exhorting us to be very careful, to pay careful attention to how you live. And then in verse 16, he says, don't waste your time because the days are evil. What are you wasting your time with this morning? I tell you, a big time waster in my life is right here. And I can be consumed by this little tool. It's a great tool. It's that God can use in my life and that Satan can use in my life. Paul says in verse 16, make the best use of the time because the days are evil. We need to wake up. Church, we need to be in the word. We need to focus on the truth. We need to live in the light and reflect Jesus in all that we say and do. do. We need to be full moons and not crescent moons. And we need to stay attached to the vine. John chapter 15. He's the vine. We are the branches. And unless we stay attached to him, we cannot produce the fruits that God wants to display in our life. And in preparing for the supper this morning, let me just close with these words. Only Christ can wake us up. Only Christ can wake us up. We cannot wake ourselves up. It's only the grace of God. And when the grace of God comes into our life, we receive. The gift of the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit enables us to manifest the light of Christ into a very dark and dreary world. You can't manufacture it. You can only surrender to the truth. And so my encouragement to you this morning, if you're still darkness, you don't have to stay dark. Christ can save you, but you must surrender to him. You must admit that you are a sinner. You cannot save yourself. Christ had to come. Christ had to leave heaven's glory and become a man clothed himself in flesh. Live the life that you and I sometimes try to live but could never live. He lived that life of perfection. And then he went to the cross. Of all the people, of all the people who've ever lived on the face of this planet, the last person who deserved the cross was Christ. He was sinless. He was perfect. But Christ came because he wanted to be my substitute, your substitute. He was willing to take his father's wrath upon himself. The punishment for my sin he took upon himself. He poured out all his blood. And that blood, and only that blood, can cover all of our sin. Not just some of our sin, but it covers all of our sin, past, present, and future. That's the grace of God. And I, when I was a young boy, I believed that, and I surrendered to Christ, and Christ became my Lord and my Savior. Didn't understand it all. You know, I was went through junior high and high school. Didn't understand it. I still don't understand it all. I keep growing. I keep believing. I keep learning. I keep trusting. Money can't buy. The blessings that God has poured out in my life. my family my life and leading you all in this church that's God God has created you and you're here this morning because he wants you to hear this message and he wants you to believe and he wants you to To transfer you, (laughs) deliver you from this world of darkness into eternal light and relationship with him. Today may it be the day of your salvation. We're going to sing a song, a hymn of invitation. Always sing this song. The title of the song is Have Thine Own Way. If this is the prayer of your heart. You can receive Christ right where you're at. Then, after we sing the song, on this Memorial Day weekend, we're going to remember Jesus' sacrifice. If you've surrendered your life for him, to him. The supper is for you. Because of what Christ has died for you, has done for you. The supper doesn't save you. We take it with hearts full of gratitude for all that He's done for us. May you do that with us this morning. If you need prayer this morning, as we sing this song, I'll be in the dining hall. Love to pray with you this morning. But let's prepare our hearts. For the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the timeliness of your word. These words are hard because, in believing these words and living out these words, we acquire labels from the world. But Lord, help us to be like the first century Christians who believe Paul's words. They took your words, Lord, so seriously that many were fed to lions. Many died on crosses and then were later burned to light Nero's garden. Because, Lord, they wanted their li- lives to shine for Christ. And today, and for these last 2,000 years, they've been with you for all eternity. Give us that kind of faith. Use this invitation, Lord, to prepare our hearts for all that you did for us. Prepare us to have hearts full of gratitude for your great sacrifice. Have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?